In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Welcome, everyone, to Moving Forward. I am your host today, Kristen Nepper, and today we are actually going to begin by interviewing my co-host, John Lim. John is an entrepreneur, an attorney, an actor, um, an activist, and founder and co-host of this podcast, and also my partner in business. I'm thrilled to have him with us today. He has a long litany list of accomplishments, but I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about that. And let me just introduce him and we'll go ahead and get started. So, John, thank you so much for being here today. Well, wow, Kristen, thank you. It's it's always a pleasure, and you're very flattering in your description. So um, just a little background about myself. I, I started out as an attorney. I was in practice for several years. Um, as Kristen mentioned, I kind of deviated a little bit. I, I was an actor for a little bit of time, and then I've worked in the private sector as well for legal technology and information services, and most recently, I have become an entrepreneur. So I've, I've started up a couple of businesses that I'm very excited about, and as Kristen, as you've mentioned, I am also the co-host of this podcast. So this is so much fun and so exciting, so thank you. Thank you. So I want to talk to you about how um, you've done all that you've done because your interests are very multifaceted. So let's go back to what you were passionate about as a child and how that impacted you as you moved forward. And maybe a little bit, you know, you said I was an attorney and I know you did not love that. So maybe you can talk about how you deviated and then got back to what doing what you love. Oh, wow. Uh, Great question. I, I was passionate about two things as a as a kid. Uh, number one was Saturday morning cartoons. So, and and I still am passionate about Saturday morning cartoons. So, I um, I have DVDs and there's always YouTube. So, I love Saturday morning cartoons. The other thing I think I was really passionate about was really connecting with people. And there's a story that I was just thinking about not too long ago. I think I was about five years old, and both of my parents were starting out, they were just building this small business that they were hoping to grow and they were struggling to get it off the ground. And so once in a while, a real treat would be when they would take take us out to dinner. And so one night I went to dinner with my parents. We went to this Chinese place that was right up the street. And I have vague recollections of this, but there are bits and pieces that I remember. I think it was very crowded that night and it took a long time for us to place an order, long time for us to get our food. So I think in my restlessness, I just started getting up and going to each table and talking to the people and just asking them questions, sort of like a, a would-be talk show host. So I was asking things like, <laughs> so, so what brings you, yeah, exactly. What, what, what do you, what do you do for a living? And what did you order tonight? Or have you considered this on the menu? And I, I just remember, and I, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it, but at one point there was this waiter who would always be walking by. He was always carrying like this huge tray with all these dishes on it and he would always turn he would look at me and he would just start laughing and I remember he went over to one of these tables and he said have you talked to that kid that kid is hilarious so (laughs) and I wasn't even trying I was just making conversation and uh, I guess I was entertaining but I think what I was really passionate about from a young age is connecting with people and making connections and just listening to people's stories and telling stories of my own. Um, Flash forward, 
I was thinking about careers. You know, I went through high school, I went to college, and there were certain things that I loved doing. I loved history, I loved research, and I was always fascinated by law. It's a career that I think my parents sort of encouraged me. It was either prototypical Asian kid growing up in a uh, you know working class family. It's like go to law school, go to med school, and so for me, I was kind of drawn to law and. It was a history political science major, and then I went to law school, and I studied hard, and there were aspects of it that I really did find pa- that I found passionate about. I was really embracing, but then when I got to my first job out of law school, I went to this firm, and I have to tell you, Kristen, I was miserable. It was something that did not get me up in the morning, and it was something I just couldn't picture myself doing for the next forty years. Yeah, I know how that feels. Yeah, exactly. So I made a couple of transitions. Now, first thing I did was I transitioned out of law, full-time practice, although I still did some on the side for family and friends. And I was actually kind of passionate about helping family and friends with legal issues. But the the main job that I transi- transitioned into was uh, legal information and services. And I worked as an account manager, and I loved parts of that job. I was working with clients handling their issues, working almost as a consultant, but also coaching them on finding different solutions that the company offered. And a lot of what I did was presentations. So I was able to get up and do lots of presentations and teach seminars. And I really found a passion for that, especially when I could see that I was connecting with my audience and they were getting that aha moment, those light bulbs were going off. And I really discovered a passion for that. That's along awesome. the yeah no along the way i also sort of uh, deviated into an interest that i had had before i went to law school which was acting and this came about because i was reading a book on preparing for law school and the book had mentioned that there's a lot of speaking there's a lot of oral arguments so really you want to hone and be comfortable with your speaking skills so they suggested a couple of things you could take a speech class you could join a debate group you could do toastmasters or if you're a little more adventurous you could take an acting class So I took an acting class in undergrad, and I absolutely loved it. I don't know if I was bit by the bug or what, but I just really (laughs) enjoyed it. And it was so much fun. And it was several years later when I was working in this corporate job that uh, they brought in actually an acting coach to help us with our presentation skills. And she came up to me after class and she said, I recognize that you've had theatrical training. You should really consider getting back into it. So I had just gone through a particularly painful breakup with a girl that I was head over heels for. So what better way to get over a breakup than to sign off for an acting class? You do process emotions. That is very true. (laughs) Exactly. And and I know, I know, Kristen, you've had theatrical uh, Uh, training in your past. So you know what I'm talking about here. Yes. Um, But I took this acting class and and, and I branched out. I actually, on a recommendation, took this class uh, with Brenna McDonough, who teaches in uh, Maryland, where where I'm located. And she taught this on-camera training class. And it's one of the most intimidating experiences because the way she teaches the class is that she fully immerses you in it. She films each student. And then makes you watch in playback with the entire class. And she does so, though, in a very safe environment. But it was also one of the most intimidating things to do. But what I, what I discovered was, well, after the first couple of times, that intimidation kind of went away. And you just got really comfortable with it. And it mm. sort of 
brought me back a little bit to my five-year-old self. That time where I didn't have those inhibitions, where I was not afraid to take a risk. And so as a side hobby, I sort of getting back into acting and, and this uh, teacher, Brenna, was very supportive. And in fact, I consider her one of my early mentors when I was uh, pursuing acting. She actually started getting me connected to casting directors in the area. And I started getting audition calls. And I didn't think anything of it, but I, I went out on my first audition, booked a role uh, for National Geographic, and then I started getting more and more. And then I signed with my first agent. And the pinnacle of my acting career, and you know, some of our listeners may be familiar with this, was actually I landed a role with an online series called Star Trek New Voyages. Um, I was a, a, a sort of fan of the series growing up. I wouldn't say I was a Trekkie necessarily, but I really enjoyed the show as a kid when it was on reruns. And so I knew that this show, they had not yet cast the role of Sulu, who was portrayed by George Takei. And then I contacted the producers and convinced them. I talked them into giving me an audition. I went all the way up to upstate New York, met with the producers, and was able to secure the role. Funny story that I have to tell you, Kristen, about this. Let's flash back to 1996 when I was in college. George Takei had just published his autobiography, and he was signing copies. He came to Penn's campus, was signing copies at the bookstore. I ran back from class, grabbed my copy because I just bought it, and was heading down to the bookstore to see if he would sign my book. And I looked out the window and I saw... I could see he was walking away. He had just finished his autograph session. So I, I, oh no! Yes, I just missed my chance to meet George Takei. I was just so bummed. But I said to myself, Kristen, I said, you know, I think one of these days I'm going to get to meet George Takei. I don't know how, I don't know when, but it'll happen. Flash forward 10 years later in 2006, I'm on set filming this pilot called World Enough in Time, written by uh, Emmy Award-winning screenwriter, directed by this uh, big Hollywood director, and I am working with George Takei. We are actually portraying the same character, Sulu, at two different ages, and I, I formed a friendship with George. And he gave me lots of great advice. He actually encouraged me to move to Los Angeles and really pursue acting. And it was just wonderful. But it was just so mind-blowing that 1996, you know, I missed the chance to meet him, to have him sign my book. Flash forward 10 years later, I'm getting to work with George on an amazing project, which actually you can go to YouTube, type in World Enough in Time. It's still up there. Wow. I... My jaw is on the floor right now. You should see my face. I love that story because it really illustrates the power of intention. And when you put something out there and you put energy towards it, it does happen. It's a matter of actually doing it. And one of the big takeaways I have from that is that you have learned to take risks, not crazy risks, but calculated risks. Um, And I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously risk does come along with failure. So when have you failed in life, in your career, yet it's changed everything for for the better? Well, it's funny. It's a great question, Kristen. And I I can tell you, it's it's interesting because both of us come from a legal background. And so I think talking about failure is sort of a taboo when you're an attorney. But what I have learned in my life is to really embrace your failures. You don't learn from just denying that there are times where you're going to fail. 
It's interesting you ask that because I was I was just thinking about this uh, recently, and I've failed so many different times, and I'm not afraid to say it. I've failed, you know, in my professional life with decisions, in my personal life. I think everyone learns from their failures, but I will name a failure that a lot of people may not think of as a failure, but I do. But it was also a moment of learning for me to pivot, and I went through a very difficult time. It was 2008. I lost my mother, who I was very close with, someone that I really looked up to and respected. And I was just devastated. It just came very suddenly. I was really brokenhearted. And there was a time in my life uh, where I just sort of checked out. I um, was living in Los Angeles. Uh, She got very sick. I flew back to Baltimore, and we thought she was going to make it, and we just lost her. And I was so so sad. And there was a time where I just checked out. I took a job as a consultant, moved back to the East Coast. I wanted to be closer to my dad and he was going through a difficult time, but I sort of lost a little bit of that drive and passion I had to really continue to challenge myself. And I just said to myself, you know what, I'm going to settle for a normal job. It pays really well, pays the bills. And I'm just going to be doing this for the next 40, 50 years until I retire. And the problem was, at some point, there were two things that occurred. Number one, my mother lived her life pursuing her passion. And she always encouraged me to do the same. She said, if you're not getting up every day passionate about what you're doing, if it doesn't light your fire, then you shouldn't be doing it. And I kind of settled into this routine. And I know that she was looking down at me from heaven and and saying, you know, John, I, I just don't think this is really what you should be doing. This is not what you're really happy about doing. So there was that. The other thing is I was just getting into this routine, this rut, and I felt like I really wasn't that passionate about what I was doing. There were aspects of the job that I really enjoyed, but I felt like I was just staying just for the sake of staying, trading time for money. And so I feel like... I just kind of let myself fall into that for a couple of years. And I'd always thought about going to business school, getting my MBA, but I sort of just talked myself out of it. I said, no, it's kind of too risky to do that while maintaining a job. It's disruptive. It's change. You know how we all feel about change. It's scary, and I don't want to do it. So I just made all these excuses not to take steps to change my life. Now, where that comes into play I feel like I did that for maybe a couple of years more than I would have liked to. So that's where the failure comes in. The benefit, though, is that I am the type of person, when I get restless, we're bored, I just don't really have a lot of patience. So eventually I got to the point where I said, listen, it's time for you to do something different. Your mom is looking down at you. She wants you to do more with your life. So I made the decision to go to business school. I made the decision, and that's where I started to make new connections. That's where I started to reignite my passion. I met wonderful professors, wonderful colleagues, some of whom have become my business partners. And I started to kind of find a new version of myself, a new version that kind of called back to my five-year-old self, where I was passionate about connecting with people, finding a direction, and challenging myself. And now flash forward to this year, uh, I am so excited to be starting these new ventures. It's a, a it's a lot of change. It can be a little scary, a little daunting, but I am just I really feel like I'm I'm hitting a stride, and I'm just really excited. Wow, I really 
loved what you said. A couple of things. Um, for those of you who don't know, John has founded two businesses this year and this podcast. So when he says, oh, a couple new ventures, he's being very, very modest. But a couple of things that really struck me, one was listening to your internal voice and that you knew there was something that was off and that you were settling and moving forward and just the lovely life lesson. And what a way to honor your mom is to realize that you know, pursuing your passion is really your gift, not just to her, but to the universe at large. And I just think it's amazing. And it's a gift to us as well. That's the thing. When you live in your own authentic truth, you really do provide an example for others to do the same. So I really loved what you said about that. Hey, Moving Forward listeners. If you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. Um, when do you feel the most free? You do so many different things. What really lights you up inside? Uh, Kristen, I love this question because I'll tell you right now, it's just a continuation of what we've been talking about. Something that gets me up in the morning, something that lights my fire, something I'm passionate about. When I am doing that, when I'm helping someone find their voice, when I am helping someone start a new business or discover a new path, or even when I'm just opening the door for them so that they can see that there's more to life than just settling for a ordinary job that doesn't excite them, that's when I feel the most free. Because it is a lot of work. Starting a business is a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of investment. But when you're passionate about something, that's an investment that's going to return back to you tenfold. If you're not passionate about something, it's just, a, it's just a time and energy suck. You know, you're putting energy into it. And you're not getting anything back. But when you are most free, when you are doing something that you love, yes, you're putting a lot of time and energy into it, but you're getting it back. And that's what I like to call the return on the investment. Making money is great, but it's really about helping someone else, reaching someone else, living your passion, and you're going to get so much out of that. I agree. And by investing in others, you truly invest in yourself. And one of the things you had hit on a few moments ago, and I learned this from you and from Robert Kiyosaki and from Kate Northrup, is trading time for money and doing that settling, as you mentioned before, is really one of the more dangerous and risky things that we can do because we're putting our fate in somebody else's hands. So can you talk a little bit about one of the times, you know, and I think that you were saying earlier how we let fear stand in the way, and that is change is something that's hard for all of us. This is one of the things that allows us, I'm going to use that word, to settle. So can you tell us a time where maybe judgment or fear stood in your way and how you eventually were able to break through that plateau? <laughs> yes. You know, I love this question too, because I, when I think of when judgment or fear stand, stood in my way of taking action, you know, a lot of people will name a pivotal moment in their careers. And I probably have a couple of those too, but that particular question, uh, there's a moment that I always think about, and it was the summer of 1998, and I was in law school, and I was a clerk at the Baltimore State's Attorney's Office. It was summertime, and uh, I used to go to lunch with uh, one of the attorneys, and one day we went to lunch. It was such beautiful weather. It was around late June and, you know, the sun was out and it was just, there was live music at the harbor. And for those of you who are visiting Baltimore, do it in the summertime because that's really one of the best times to see the harbor. And I was standing there and we just had lunch 
and there was just this crowd. They were just very energetic. And I looked over, and over in a corner, I saw sitting on one of the ledges was this absolutely breathtakingly beautiful girl just sitting there eating her lunch. And I was just jaw dropped on the ground, and I was just like, oh my gosh, she is just breathtaking. And there was something about her that was just so optimistic and you know, mm. so intelligent. And I just thought, I would just love to just go up to her and speak to her. And that was a moment where fear and judgment just kind of pulled me back. I was like, no, this is not the right venue. This is totally awkward. There are too many people here. I'm with this attorney. What's he going to think if I do this? I can't do this. But I kept stealing these glances. I'll tell you what, it's kind of funny how life works sometimes. As I was standing there, kind of frozen in fear, at one point she got up, came over, was listening to that live music, and literally was standing about as far away as I am from this microphone right now that I'm (laughs) talking to you. And, And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's standing right next to me. What do I do? And I was still just paralyzed, paralyzed. I just couldn't say anything. And I think at that moment, I was just getting tongue-tied. So finally, I think uh, I think fate just sort of stepped in. I got a tap on the shoulder. The attorney said, oh, okay, we should probably head back. And I don't know what got into me, but I just said, hey, uh, can you hold on for one second? And I just turned to the girl and I said, beautiful day, isn't it? It's like probably the cheesiest line, right? But it was just like, I, it was the only thing I could think to say. And then she responded. She said, oh my gosh, yes, it's so beautiful. Next thing I know, we're just like deep in conversation. And I'm not even noticing the attorney who's just kind of standing back. And I think he was a little bit impressed that I had the guts to actually do this. So I'm just talking to her. And finally, uh, I know that I have to go back to the office and I know I'm keeping this attorney waiting. So I say, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation over lunch sometime. So uh, can I have your number? And, you know, I didn't think she would say yes, but she said, oh, absolutely. And she said, do you have a pen? Because this was before smartphones, you know, iPhones, Androids. I'm dating myself now. And and I said, I didn't have a pen on me. Of course, I was in law school. And, you know, you should always carry a pen if you're a lawyer. But I didn't have anything on me. And she said, what kind of lawyer are you? She was just ribbing me. So she (laughs) tore off a corner out of her notebook and scribbled her, her name and number, gave it to me. And, of course, I was in seventh heaven and, you know, and... It was just a moment in which fear and judgment stood in my way, but I think something just inertia, whatever you want to call it, just made things happen. And finally, it was like, okay, you've got to step up and take this opportunity. Get over that fear. And that was a moment that kind of stands out for me. And it's a moment that I think about whenever I feel that fear we're indecision about making a decision like starting a business or taking a left turn when I'm so used to taking a right turn. Absolutely. I love that. And it's funny, too. And we'll talk about romantic relationships in some of our other podcasts and ventures. But as the female, the fact that you came up, you took the initiative, you were masculine in that moment, any woman worth pursuing, she's going to appreciate that no matter what the line coming out of your mouth. So I love the happy ending for that story. Oh, Kristen, you you have the fun side of the podcast. You're going to be doing the... (laughs) The romantic side of things, I'm going to be doing the business side of things. But I, I also want to point out there was another, uh, I, I think something that you touched on that I really feel is important for our listeners, this idea of trading time for money. And Griff Hall, who was a professor I had in the MBA program, he's actually going to be one of our guests coming up. I'm so excited to be interviewing with him. He is a coach and consultant. And it was when I was in his class and he had, I, I wouldn't even call it a lecture. He just took time out of the class 
And he said, so many of you are in this program. You're learning so much. Don't just trade time for money. And that's really where I heard that phrase, and I've heard it since. But he's really the one that instilled in me, go for something that you're passionate about. Try it. Take a risk. Don't want to just trade time for money until you retire because so many of you are just, you're just going to be bored and life is just too short. And that really just planted the seed in my head that I have an opportunity here to take the risks that I've done in the past, as well as my experiences working in Hollywood, my experiences working in the corporate world, put it together, connect the dots and do something that you're really passionate about. Absolutely. I completely agree. Mastin Kip, uh, founder of The Daily Love, did that for me where he um, introduced the idea that you can start a business, you can be your own, own boss, you can be successful. And as we've talked about other mentors we've had who have really emphasized that idea. And I think that's such a gift. And hopefully with this podcast, we'll be able to give that gift, gift of new perspective to other people as well. So another question um, Speaking of inspiration, uh, what do you do best? And this is so this is and what I mean by this question is this is an inch wide, but it's a mile deep and it's where you get to brag. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you put that disclaimer because this, this really will sound a little self-serving. What I do best, I, I really believe, is that when I'm passionate about something, I can convey it. I can communicate it in a way that I think other people can feel that. And they can get inspired too. Case in point, this story about a month ago. And uh, since graduating from Johns Hopkins for my MBA, I get invited um, every quarter to come speak to the new students. And usually it's just, just a seminar panel with other alum where they ask, how do you balance school and life? And usually I'll, I'll give a little pep talk. This year when I went back, the director of admissions actually pulled me aside and she said, John, you're such an evangelist for the school. And our lunchtime guest speaker had to cancel at the last minute. I know this is last minute, but would you be willing to step in and be our featured guest speaker? So that gave me about nine minutes to prepare for a speech. And it was that moment where I just said, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to say, but I had some ideas and they were just starting to percolate. And then when I got up there, I just was able to tell stories about my experience at Johns Hopkins. And I could see that I was connecting. And I could see that some of the students were really getting fired up about the decision they had made because making the decision to go back to school, especially when you've been out of school for a while, can be very scary. And I know I could see, I could really feel that nervous energy there because, and I knew it so well because I felt the same thing when I decided to go back to school. But seeing that, and then so many people came up to me afterwards and said, that was so inspiring. I'd love to connect with you. And it was just, it was great. And, and I think what I do best is that if I feel passionate about something, I can convey that, but I can also help others find their passion too. And that's, that's why I've started these businesses. And that's, that's what I'm so excited about with this podcast is that we want to help people bridge those connections. Well, and I have to say, having known you for 10 years, your energy is contagious um, and you really do have the ability to inspire others. And one of the other things I admire about you is the fact that you are so present. There is nothing else and no one else in the room when you have an idea and you're conveying it to someone else. So it's really a gift that you do have um, your ability to connect with people 
is phenomenal. I want to ask you, we're going to dig deep here a little bit about your relationship and your connection to yourself and to your higher power. So a couple questions. So were you spiritual as a child? I, I was. I grew up, it's interesting you ask that. You know, my mother was very religious, but not religious necessarily in the routines, but she was very, very spiritual. And I think I got that from her. We did go to church and it was something that I always had as as part of my life. Um, what happened to me along the way was, I think when I lost my mom, I have sort of a complicated relationship with God's. Uh, you know, I was very upset for a long time uh, having my mother taken away from me at, at at such a young age. But I also know that just having had my mom for the time that I did, and having such a wonderful mom, and and my and having my dad, you know, just wonderful parents was such a blessing. So yes, I am spiritual. I do believe in God. I do believe in heaven. And I, I I'll tell you, Kristen, it's not often that this happens, but every once in a while. I'll have a dream and I'll see my mom and she Mm. never says anything, but I can tell she's communicating with me through her facial expressions. And that's how I know she's looking over me. And there are times in my life, especially that period where I was just sort of checked out and just trading time for money and, and not really challenging myself and being passionate about what I was doing. There were times where I could tell she was watching over me and telling me, you know, this is not really what you want to do. Find yourself again. I don't want you to just give up on life. I know you miss me. I miss you too. You've got to continue on and you've got to make the most of your time. I love that. I love the way you were able to shift your perspective into gratitude. I think that gratitude is one of the most powerful um, emotions on the planet. It really can change everything. To see what you have versus what you don't is really a game changer. Um, so what do you think, speaking of dreams and I, I resonate with that very much because I believe dreams are when we do have the opportunity to connect with the divine. So another deep question, what do you think happens when we die? I do believe in God. I do believe in heaven. And I believe that's where my mom is right now. You know, I, I believe she's looking down on me and she's watching over me. And for a lot of our listeners and a lot of people I know who have lost parents and loved ones, you know, too soon, too young, too soon. Um, But I believe that there is life after death. And that's why I think it's so important to do as much as you can with the time that you have on this earth. Because I really do believe that that impacts what will happen after, after we leave this earth. And I think it's so important not only to do as much as you can, but to be an influence and to help others and to Take your knowledge, take your skills, take your wealth, and really, really touch as many lives as you can. I think that's so important. I agree. I agree. I love that. So, John, if our uh, listeners want to learn more about you, how would they connect to you? Well, first of all, I want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning into this podcast. Uh, we have so many exciting guests come up, uh, coming up, and I love the fact that we've got this sort of duality that, Kristen, you're, you're focusing on such an important area, relationships and spirituality. I'm going to be looking at the business side of things. Um, so one way you can keep connected is through this podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you like what you hear, support us. Leave a rating on, I, on iTunes. Um, follow us uh, on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. 
The other way you can connect with us is um, we have a company, Vuavant Consulting. Uh, it's V-U-E-A-V-A-N-T.com. Uh, we're also on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I also have a personal LinkedIn page, um, and I invite people to connect with me through there. Definitely. And if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Little plug for, for future episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, John, thank you today. Any parting words of inspiration you want to give our guests? No pressure there. <laughs> no. I've, like I said, time is your most precious commodity. It's the resource. It's more important than anything else. Time is what we have so little of. Make the most of it. And if you're not engaged, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, find other ways to connect those dots, connect with different people. That's how I get inspired and and passion is when I connect with different people, when I learn things from people like you, Kristen, from our other business partners, from friends. Just stay plugged in, be present. I love that. Thank you so much, John. It's been such an honor to speak with you today. Um, And for our listeners, thank you for joining us today as well. This has been Moving Forward. Thank you again and tune in next week. Thanks. Bye. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.